Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm excited to come back with the second in my series of Don't Love Your Labels. Tonight, I'm going to introduce a new flavor of that, how to free yourself of toxic belief systems. And this conversation is gonna be fire. I will introduce my guest right after this. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. I'm the world's best joy monger. Yes, I made that word up. I'm here holding space for you so that you can reveal your joy. I'm also a multi-award winning author of eight books, mother of six children, and a host of two podcasts. Here on the Free to Be Show, I engage you in conversations so that you can dive in and really notice whether or not you're free in your heart and your mind and your soul. So are you free? Let's see. So tonight I am going to introduce to you um, two gentlemen from the same area and they didn't even know they were neighbors. First, I will introduce you to Warren Stewart. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. My so pleasure. Good to, good to see you. And Coach Steve Bacon. <laughs> you know what's great about these two men? I met them through Steve Hardison and um, his book of being, The Ultimate Coach. And what I saw that was very unique about both of you is that you are all about healing and you're all about dismantling belief systems. So let's just jump right in. Have let's jump. It. Let's do it. So <laughs> what are these belief systems that we need to dismantle? Well, I'd say the first one is the, the religious belief system that divides us by if you don't believe like me, then I can't be around you or we can't be friends. We can't be in relationship. You know, that that has divided us more than anything. And I think that's one of the most toxic um, religion has become one of the most toxic uh, 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 divisions that keep us from really learning from each other. And so that for me personally, that's that's what I had to start getting rid of. So. Um, I, I'll just start it off like that. I ain't gonna take too much time. You know, no, nah, man. This is let's let's go back and forth because if I could piggyback on that, the other yeah. toxic, the other toxic one in in that sense is we supposed to get ours on the other side. I want mine right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want mine exactly. right now. That wait exactly. till you get to the other side. No, no, no. I want to create heaven on earth right here, right now. Yeah. Yes, and we can do that, and nobody tells you that in church because honestly they they haven't figured out how to do it so it's just it's very fairy tale-ish and it's not the faith with action and how we get to that place and uh how we can manifest those things and write them down and and the, the people with that we surround ourselves with the circle our books that we read all the knowledge that we feed ourselves you know we still haven't Fellowship Hall, Fruit Punch, and Cookies. And, and... <laughs> oh, God, this man is talking my language. Oh, well, you know, that's a good point. 
Warren, because I love your series on um, your 12 church about Jesus and masculinity. And so I was expecting both of you as men to say to get rid of the toxic max masculinity. Um, and so from a religious perspective, you're actually pulling out of the scriptures where Jesus was just a regular human being. And the way that, you know, like heaven forbid, the, the way that uh, we're, the, the, the masculine uh, version of Jesus that we're supposed to live up to is, is not an existent. So, okay, Steve, you were really re reacting to that. Have you seen the series I'm talking about? No, but now I want to see it, but I can understand where he's coming, especially when he says the, the normality of it. Like the, I feel like the church talks so much about what Jesus did, but don't pay attention to what he's saying. Yeah. Right. And like how he was he being. Said, right. You will go on to do greater works than me. Now, how can I go on to do greater works than you if I'm less than you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, and for that those of you that, who don't, that don't make any sense to me. Hold, if I'm hold just on, this, for, for those of you who don't know, Muslims believe in Jesus. It's in the Quran, by the way. So I'm allowed to have this conversation. Just you just those. shook somebody's whole ass belief system right now. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? They just blew up right now. You just killed the toxic belief when you just said that right now. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Well, another thing that kills them, and that will make people very afraid and probably call me a heretic and I'm with apostate. You. But we Muslims, Jews, and Christians, we all worship the same God. Like the path, it may be different in, in, in belief systems, but if we all are at the same, we, we believe in one God. And so we have this monotheistic, you know, faith. And, and a lot of people don't want to admit to that. And, you know, Jews may not believe in Jesus, but he came from their line. And you know, Muslims may not believe he's the son of God, but he's a prophet and he's a teacher. We believe he is the son of God. He's fully God and fully man. And, but at the end of the day, the most high God is the most high God. You can't create another most high God. It's not one That's God. For, exactly. It's not the Muslim God, the Jewish God, the Christian God, and all these other polytheistic gods. We worship the same God. And so through that, you know, I've done a lot of work with in the Muslim community, and those are my brothers and sisters, and many other communities. Like, like even Steve, you know, if he caught me about twenty years ago, I'd be like, I ain't having no friends with Mormons. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's I call him brother, and and I already know people who are Christian be like, well, he's not your brother because he doesn't believe in the same thing. I'm like. He act more like Jesus than some of y'all that I grew up in church with. Bruh, bruh, why, where's the lie? I read, I was like, is he Jesus? I, <laughs> is, right? But I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to preface something real quick because I don't want to assume that people actually know what belief is. And let me tell you why. Okay. But I have clients who have PhDs in psychology and cannot articulate what a belief is to me. Right. So before yeah. I walk into any room and I have these kind of conversations, the same way Vince Lombardi used to walk into a locker room and say, this is a football. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about anything else until you understand the fundamentals of this game. 
Well, we are not talking about anything else until you understand the fundamentals of the word belief, because it is the driver of everything. And so let's 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 set some facts up about what a belief is and what a belief is not, so we can have not I know not us, but everybody listening before they start getting triggered. A belief is not a fact. A belief is a strong emotion attached to an idea. Pause. Mm-hmm. It is a strong emotion attached to an idea. That is the yeah. reason why you can have the Ju- Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and everybody ready to die for what they believe in, because it is a strong idea attached. A fact is something that is irrefutable, regardless of how you look at it. Mm-hmm. A belief is a strong emotion, and beliefs drive human behavior. Yeah. Right? So let me give you the fact is, I'm a man. Belief is, I'm a bad man. That's an opinion. Yep. Right? So I want everybody to understand the difference between a belief and a fact. Because what we're talking about is people's strong emotions attached to ideas. Now, to loosen up your grip a little bit, have you ever been so certain that you were right about something and later on found out you were wrong? Yeah. No, For those that never of you listening. to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm saying that because... He's a woman. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I realize we're about to have a really profound conversation and some of you are listening to for what you agree with and some of you are listening for what you disagree with. And I'm asking you not to do either. I'm asking you to listen and just be open and see what of these ideas will take you closer to where you want to go and keep those and the ones that don't trash them. Because guess what? At the end of the day, it's all fucking made up anyway. So yeah. everybody's free to create whoever they want to be. And mm-hmm. F-bombs are allowed on the Free to Be show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was coming anyway. I, I... <laughs> so for those of you who have young children nearby, um, this is not for young children to be in the room because there will be different kinds of language <laughs> explicit. They, they saying it anyway at school. They saying it anyway. And somebody made that shit up too. So you can't say the word... <laughs> Show me where that's at in the Bible. I'm, I'm, show me where that's at. It comes somebody from the Bible. Said, you know that. Somebody said that this is a bad word and everybody agreed and now can't nobody say it. Bullshit. You, that person you know that got what? more authority than me, I say what I want to say. You know what the word fuck <laughs> means, really? It's fornication under the consent of the king. So it's exactly okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And for people who got an issue with cuss words, it's a whole documentary on Netflix about the history of curse words. So before really? you just yes, yes, yes. oh yes, you just blessed my soul, bro. I will yeah. send you the link. I will send it to you. It is, it is it is narrated by Nicholas Cage, and I'm only saying that because look, wow. when it comes to beliefs, when you tell a lie long enough, people begin to believe it, and when you pass that lie to the next generation, it becomes mm-hmm. tradition and nobody questions it. Mm-hmm. And so Steve, Steve Hardison wrote in his book. Hold on, just last piece. I promise, I'm done. Steve Hardison wrote in his book, dumb rules bind only those who aren't willing to question them. Facts. Look, we all got our book right close to us. Look at <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's the second Bible or the second Quran for some right, people. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, we know, because that's what Steve taught me too, is to unbelieve everything you believe. And and once you start doing that, you do become free. You come free from the, 
Matrix, like when Morpheus said, when I watched the Matrix in 1999, I felt like I was Neo. I was like, oh, <laughs> there is a system of control when you go to work, when you go to school. And then he said, when you go to church. And I said, I knew it. I've been waiting for somebody to tell me, thank you, Morpheus. <laughs> hey. So we so we've started off this conversation with a definition and a full explanation and um, actually showing what it looks like in real life. So um, Coach Steve hasn't any beliefs. Okay, I don't know what that means. So can you guys see the comments that are coming up? So far we've had Dennis Franklin who is from the Ultimate Coach community saying heaven on earth, amen. And then there's some people in on LinkedIn as well. So oh, I don't um, see the LinkedIn ones. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. So like we have Dr. Thompson here oh, agreeing sorry. that you guys are speaking facts. And here's the question. Coach Steve hasn't any beliefs. When you believe you do not need facts. How do you feel about that statement? Sure. When you believe... That's the <laughs> If if that's if here, here here's the thing through my perception, will, reason, intuition, imagination, and memory, I can create whatever reality I choose. And there's one thing that God decided not to control, and that is my free will. That gives me absolute sovereignty to create whatever reality I choose. So I will never tell you that you are wrong. I don't really mm. understand the question, but. I don't I will never tell you that you're wrong because that is your reality. What I will say is as I mentioned before, beliefs are a strong emotion attached to an idea. I get people that come to my office and say things like I'm stupid. Fact is they're not. Mm. But they believe they are. Mhm. Mm so yeah. when people come to me, when they come to my office and I do these transformations, breakthrough sessions, I take them to the belief theory court of appeals. <laughs> they come to me with these beliefs that I ain't worthy, I'm undeserving, I ain't shit, all of that. And then I ask them like a lawyer to give me all the evidence that proves that they are not that, that they are these things. And then I go through line by line and I pull out the facts. I pull out, I poke the holes. Mm -hmm. I am the protector and defender of I am. And in my courtroom, you will not belittle yourself. Amen. Amen. Come on. So I negate harmful beliefs with facts. That's good. That's good. It's real good, actually. And, and I would say to Susan, read the book. The ultimate coach, the book of being, because it will. It, 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 and I guess what we're saying is you don't have to give up your beliefs. We're not we're not saying that we're just saying that there are things like the F word <laughs> that we don't understand. And we've made it this we've demonized it. And if you say it, you're a bad person. Well, Jesus said brood of vipers and said sons of Satan. I mean, he basically called them MF. So, <laughs> uh, 
That was cuss words in his day. And in the context right. of the Bible, that's what they would use. So so let's just say 100 years from now, if Earth still exists, um, people may say that the F word is a polite word. It's, it's just like how, how white America made Jesus white. He's, the facts are he is not from, he's not European, but because people told a lie long enough, people believed it and they have emotions attached to it. So when you call it out and say Jesus is not white, they get upset because they believe it instead of unbelieving the truth. I mean, the falsehood and believing the truth. They also so, make you believe that history started 600 years ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> history did not start 600 years ago with Greek and Romans. The only no. reason why it feels that way is because they burned everything before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing is the earth is moving all the time, right? So we have tsunamis and volcanoes and all those things to unearth the history, you know, from previous. So we found out what actually happened. So um, I, I wanna talk about this uh, belief theory, like how th this is beginning to show how you can free yourself from any belief. But the, the thing that I find extraordinary about toxic, toxic beliefs it's like insidious, right? So how do you go like into someone's nervous system and like make all those molecules shake up and get out? I honestly do it from a logical standpoint. It's not even, it, I start off with logic. And the, and the reason being, let me give you an example. There's only one word that, cut, that matters when it comes to healing. There's only one word, meaning. That is the only word that matters when it comes to healing. Life plus meaning equals quality of life. Life see, events. Steve, the, the, the problem I have with logic is that in your definition, you're talking about feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And like, we don't feel with our brain. We feel with our heart and our body. 100%. 100%. But first, I have to loosen the grip on what it is that you you have the, the idea that you have so much feeling attached to. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay. So let me give you an example. I believed when I was eight years old, give me a second, it's gonna take me to tell this story. Oh, where'd I go? <laughs> I hear Hello? you. Am I there? Okay. Someone tried to call me, that's why, spam. Um, can y'all hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. When I was eight years old, my mother dropped me off at my grandmother's house and didn't tell me the next day that this Chico DeBarge looking mother was coming to pick me up. <laughs> Who says he was my father, right? Now I'm looking at my grandma like, is you really finna just let this dude take me out the house? Like, really? And where's my mama? And why she didn't tell me this was coming to get me, right? right? So yeah. how does an eight-year-old process that? Mm -hmm. Where his mother dropped him right. off and the next day some light-skinned dude pick him up and say, you come to live with me. Mm. Right? Yeah. So imagine the disdain. Whenever you have a traumatic situation, your mind takes a snapshot of what caused that trauma and mm. develops a, 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 a 
strategy to avoid that. So usually when I get people in my office, the first thing I ask them is what emotion do you avoid at all costs? Not the one that you don't like, but the one that you avoid because you know it will shut you the down if you ever feel it. And when they tell me that, it takes me straight back to a particular event where they first felt that. So how does an eight-year-old boy process his mother dropping him off one day and some Chico DeBarge looking mother picking him up the next day talking about you coming to live with me? Oh, by the way, he gave me a whooping for being disrespectful. And I'm like, I don't even know you. And you put your hands on me? It was a bad day, right? Okay. <laughs> point is, here's my point. My mind said, never trust a woman who says she loves you. Mm. So okay. fast forward, 10 years later, I get married for the first time. And I become physically, mentally, and emotionally abusive to her for mm -hmm. the short time that we were married. I'm not proud of it, but I'm sharing something with you. Mm -hmm. Because my belief to never trust a woman who says she loves you caused me to constantly think that she was cheating on me. We were fine before she said she loved me, but after she said she loved me, I turned into somebody different. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So those thoughts produced emotions, anger, rage, fear, jealousy. Those emotions produced actions. I fucked shit up around the house, if you understand what I mean. Yep. Yeah. And then those emotions caused, I mean, those, re those actions caused the result, which was what? What do you think happened? She left, and rightfully yeah. so. And that reaffirmed what I believe. See, never trust a woman who says she loves you. Not realizing that I was causing the whole thing. So right. twenty, so 10 years later, after doing a lot of this work, yeah. I go to my mother and I say, why did you give me up? She said, boy, what you talking about? Yeah. I said, why did you give me up? I, I traced that. All of my issues with women came back to that time where you gave me up. And she said, boy, that is not what happened. I said, what? Wow. Hmm. She said, my sister. So here comes the second part to the story. Because I'm only viewing it through the, through the eyewitness right. testimony of a child. Right. Yeah, my sister got mad because her and I were smoking crack together and her kids got taken to foster care and you didn't. So she tracked your daddy down, convinced him to take custody. And then when I dropped you off, he came and got you. He had custody papers and that's why your grandmother couldn't do anything about it. When I came back to get you, you were gone. Oh, right. shit. Well, guess what? Two months ago, my father and I reconnected. That's on Facebook. I and I that. asked him about the situation and I got the third part to the story. Wow. He says, what really happened was, yes, that happened, but your grandmother's the one that called your mother to drop you off and then called me to come pick you up. And she was uh -huh. the one that testified in the family court for me to get custody of you because she had to go pick you up from a drug dealer that was holding you for ransom because your mama owed him some money. Wow. So wait a minute, you mean to tell me my mother is the only one that didn't know what the hell was going on and I have abused, manipulated, and, and, uh, and, and, and physically assaulted women because of a lie I told myself? Yeah. Wow. wow. So this is what I mean by logically investigating the idea that you have so much emotion attached to because 90% of it comes from the eyewitness testimony of a child. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing there, just to translate that for people who didn't get it, um, is that what happened, although you were feeling it completely in your body, right, you created a story and you acted out based on uh, what you were feeling. And 
you kept repeating that until you realized that it wasn't serving you and it was creating isolation for you. And when you finally decided to resolve that, then you went fact fighting, fact finding. And so <clears throat> the process you take your people through is the same process that you went through yourself, which helps to dismantle um, the feeling in their body and obviously, since um, most people are in their heads and they're disconnected from their bodies, I guess your coaching is kind of effective. Is that what you're saying? Because if you go for straight for the feeling, then you're validating that what they believe is true in the first place. Fuck your feelings. Let's find out if what you actually believe is true. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So good. That's, and that's where a lot of people are stuck because you get stuck in that trauma and you never get out there. Somebody, Susan just said it. So many have held on to trauma from childhood. Honestly, when you become free is when you free that child that was hurt, when you heal that child. And that's why Jesus said to be like children. Because we want to be so grown and, and I know this, I know that. And you're not able to learn or unlearn because you're so grown and so mature and you got it all figured out. I've been on this planet for 43 years and I still am figuring stuff out and discovering new parts of myself. And when I look back on my child that's sitting in the pulpit that I posted the other day, he looked back at me and say, said, I'm proud of you. And he's been waiting for me to get to this point in my life because I held on to so many beliefs. And that's where we get stuck. That's why women are giving themselves away because they got their, their, their daddy issues and rejection is playing out, avoiding attachment, uh, uh, anxious attachment. They having all these things and it's back to the childhood. Now, growing up in church and, and, you know, I grew up Baptist, then went to real charismatic and was in deliverance ministry. And the first time I ever heard that, about the healing the little boy and the little girl was in that ministry from my aunt Jackie. And I'm like, it didn't click though, as an 18 year old, you know, you want to just be mad and you're, you're full of your ego. But when you raise your vibration, you get to your higher self can look back on your past through the filter of truth. And, and what you did, Steve, the discovery of even who you are. And because of that, you are who you are and you can coach the way you coach to this day, which is why I always say God never wastes pain. He never wastes pain. Everything you've experienced in your life is to propel you for purpose. And so you can keep saying, I'm not, people don't like me. People don't do it. You keep saying it. Keep manifesting that reality and people won't like you and people will talk about you and you won't have any money. You won't have peace. But when you start saying, I am love, I am strength, I am health, I am wealthy, I'm a millionaire. Those are powerful things. When you write them down, those are powerful things. And, and sometimes, you know, the prosperity has got the, the, the brunt of a lot of uh, criticism because they say they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not belief. They're lender and not the borrower. But that's the right biblical, biblical language that we should be using to have a prosperous life. Jesus didn't die and raise from the dead for us to live broke, busted, and disgusted. No. We're supposed and what to have an abundant life. 
And and but, all we have to do is speak it into existence, basically, and pull it from behind the veil because it's waiting for us. It is. And, and, and remember we said, tell a lie long enough, people begin to leave it past that lie? Well, let's not yep. forget where the the that the slave masters removed 900 pages from the Bible. Yeah. And only gave the slaves the 238 that talked about being uh, obeying your master and getting yours on the other side. Now, yeah. now imagine this. Imagine you were born with one car and you, <laughs> a car was assigned to you like a social security number. And you had to keep that car your whole life. But you weren't given the owner's manual and you were told not to trust mechanics. Mm. Mm. So you don't know shit, and then you teach your children. Mm. Mm. See? That is literally what has happened to us over the last 400 years. We were taught that we were conditioned, but we were never taught how to recondition. Yep, yep. And even that Turner's revolt comes from that. He said, there is many scriptures that they have for our bondage, I found the same, uh, just as many scriptures for our liberation, which is why he started a revolt. And which is why you see this revolt in the world today, because we're tired of this matrix. We're tired of this patriarchal system that was built on slavery and people of color don't benefit and people of all ethnicities and genders and whatever preferences don't benefit, but the people who created the system. And they're trying to hold on to their precious idols and their systems that have no more power. And this is part of the reason why the slaves were given the Bible and taken away from the Quran. You know, most of the people who were enslaved were from Muslim countries. And mostly they, they chose those people because they had a high skill set. You know, they could run businesses and most of the slave masters were illiterate. But the problem with Muslims is like in the Quran, God is merciful. And he doesn't talk a whole lot about serving your master, right? And so that's that would not serve them. They need people with no minds who are not attached to a higher power. Exactly. And yeah. you see over my shoulder, the balance of both. Nonviolent <laughs> right. and by any means necessary. <laughs> <laughs> don't get it twisted. Don't don't let the smile fool you. I hey, you better try the, Jesus. And, and they me. were friends. They were friends. Yeah. M Malcolm protected Martin. Yeah. They became but, friends. That's what they, they people. They, but but here's the thing though, and this is the part where it gets me in most in trouble. <laughs> Not on this show. <laughs> okay. Well, because I'm about to say some trigger warning. Here it comes. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the last 50 years. I'm thinking about the next 50 years. Come on. Yes. Come on. I am so fucking tired yes. of hashing over what happened. It happened. It did. I'm thinking about the next 50 years. You know, I did this video the other day where we talked about, I talked about Madam C.J. Walker, who became a millionaire in spite of women not being shit and black people not being shit at the same time. Talking about people yep. about Alonzo Hurden, who was free from slavery and died a millionaire building a black owned insurance company that still exists to this day. Mm. I am so tired of mm. us looking at people like Tyler Perry and looking at these people and going, those are the exception. They're the fucking rule. They're the yeah. rule. They're not the yeah. exception. They're the rule. You are 
were conditioned to believe that they were the lucky ones, but they are the ones who recognize it's all made up and in spite of oppression, in spite of segregation, in spite of, of racism. Yeah. You cannot stop a man and woman who will not quit. You will get tired of trying to stop me before I get tired of stopping. Come on. Come on, and, bro. And you know what, Steve? <laughs> it all begins right now with every choice and everything that we speak. So to pull our future into the now, yeah, we have to- I see oppression differently. I see, see oppression you. different than most people. I see it as a compliment. Let me tell you why. Trigger warning. <laughs> For you to be so afraid of me, that you have to erase my history so I never figure out who I am. Make it illegal for me to read. Take out 900 pages of scripture so I never understand who I really am. To focus and build a psychological system that's designed to break the mind but not the body. Wow. To invent the concept of race to convince me that I'm lesser than you. Mm. To make it illegal for us to build. And then when we do build, to burn it all down, to rob my children of resources so they can get the education, all to keep me from performing at a normal level, not even an extraordinary level, a normal level. Cool. Because you've had glimpses of what happens when you just leave me alone. Yeah. And it scares the fuck out of you. Yeah. You don't and, and, try to cage and drug a bunny rabbit, but yeah. you will cage, drug, and tame a lion and hope it never figures out who the fuck it is. Yeah. So the, 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 all of the efforts of oppression tells me everything I need to know about myself. That's it. It's a blessing for you. That there, I was listening to a song by Molly Music last night, and it's called Royalty. Um, and if y'all haven't heard it, you know, power to the chosen people who once weren't viewed as an equal. Do you know who you are? Royalty. And it's it's songs like that that remind us of our identity. And Steve, man, it should be a good trigger warning that should trigger some people to say, well, who am I? You come from yeah. kings queens the reason why we even like to wear gold chains is because they wore it the way we wear our hairstyles is because that's the way they did it in egypt like all this stuff has been in history and so if and and i, I did a song called stay woke and i said they eradicate our history redefine identity right. remnant royalty survives every form of slavery every form of slavery even media slavery you know how all brothers just think if I make if I can make it rap and I can be something, you know, you can do so many other things besides rap. But if that's your thing, do your thing. And and I'm just saying, like, man, what you said is so profound. And then Susan said, don't dwell on history yet. And I'm like, don't dwell on history, make history. And then the longer you look back, you can't look forward. That's why, you know, the old saying, that's why the rear view mirror is smaller than the front windshield, because you have a bigger view. That's why God told them, don't turn around and look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife turned around because she longed for the past. 
you know, but but they had the Abraham and then made it to the to, to the promises of God because he kept walking. He kept moving. He was called out from his family. He was called out from his belief system. He was called out from his land. He was called out from everything, his comfort zone that kept him in bondage. And some people like bondage more than they like freedom because they don't like because the responsibility. I, I'm going to say what, what they said in that Spider-Man. Because yeah. great power becomes great responsibility. You and and Aquila and the Beast says you fear how powerful you really are, and you mm-hmm. know it's in you. You know mm-hmm. it's in you. Mm-hmm. You know that's why you feel like an imposter. They yes. feel like an imposter because they know how great they are on the inside, but out of fear of being shunned and ridiculed, you play dumb and small, yeah. and wonder why you depress. Depression comes from suppression of the soul Mm. desires. You know, I was having a conversation just the other day about um, the imposter syndrome. I think that's like gaslighting people to gaslight them, to to make them think that they weren't being gaslit in the first place. I got hired (laughs) to do, I got hired to do a speech in Canada on imposter syndrome. And they, when they called me, they were like, Hey, do you do the imposter syndrome? I said, absolutely. And we got off the phone. I looked that shit up. What is this? Right? <laughs> you sound like me. Right? Hey, I'll figure it out. Hey, Lord, I looked it up, right? Cordelia, I looked it up and I said, this ain't about the biggest crock of bullshit I ain't ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the idea. Do you realize how self-centered you have to be to have the imposter syndrome? <laughs> to think that you walk into a room and everybody fucking thinking about you? Yeah. Exactly. Like they ain't thinking about themselves. And if 70% of people, watch this, this is the contradiction. If 70% of people have the imposter syndrome, that means seven out of 10 people definitely ain't thinking about you because they too worried you thinking about them. <laughs> you all full of shit. <laughs> and none of y'all can think clearly. That's why the meetings don't get nowhere. <laughs> Everybody worried about each other. Ain't nobody thinking about nobody. <laughs> Okay, look, Susan said, be (laughs) renewed. So listen, I'm going to read you a poem so that this will be like our commercial break, okay? Okay. We begin anew without the doubt, the limiting beliefs and hostility. We start anew being the deep reflection of who we truly are. The we in the me that is the I who I am. There is no reason to condemn or command. There is a freedom to be love, joy, and peace, and be that stand. I start anew, even with all that I've been through. It was never a competition to be more like you, only more like me, to be free in my soul again. The soul, the whole, not the whole, I made it. The whole that created me. I can be that. I am that creating and co-creating endlessly. I begin again. Knowing now that I am and will always be my own best friend, that BFF who opens door after door to the depths of my core, opening after opening to be all and be more than I thought I was here for, rocking myself through the truth after truth of the evidence of meaning of who I am meant to be and the truth of that being. All I was ever seeing was the view of others' filters and judgment, All I was ever being was a puppet of their glares collectively repugnant. 
All I gave myself was a whisper of, that's not even true. They don't even know you. All I was seeing was the shell of who I was created. I allowed them to define me and I made it mean something to me. Now I can clearly see that the power was always in me to create me how I desired to be. I begin again, free, unfiltered, and limitless. I win as the friend of the little girl seeking to be loved by all, now knowing that all that all the all the love is within my reach. My words are my power to teach her. She co-creates with the divine. Allah doesn't preach, only loves, creates joy, inner peace, and a kind smile that imprints while restructuring who she be. That is me, free to be me. So I love that. This um, is our little commercial break. We're going to come back and dive straight in to um, more on the new reconstruction. You ready for that part? I like that. Yeah. We'll be right back. Join me in St. Martin in August or on the big island of Hawaii in June for the Replenish Me experiences. Elements of fire and water and air and earth allow you to elementally So that you can be present in the moment of now and allow yourself to reveal your joy. To find out more, connect with me at bit.ly Joy to Connect. I'll see you in the islands. So before we came on air, we were talking about the last time we saw so much movement in the black community was the reconstruction <clears throat> era. So that this, and, and we likened what's going on now as the new reconstruction, right? And I cited, we have two black men on a mission to heal other black men. And that's where the empowerment begins. So if I'm correct, and I'm going to start with Warren this time, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> the dismantling of um, <laughs> of those toxic belief systems begin with the healing. So let's talk more about that. I, I want to um, to bring it through your um, Jesus and masculinity series. Yeah. Um, so the reason why we did that is because, you know, there are these toxic belief systems. And like I said, you know, even even the reason why we have a woman a International Women's Day is because of the patriarchal system uh, of men that were created and let, you know, pushed women out. And so, you know, in a in a world full of toxic masculinity and the things we've seen with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, uh, and that one guy who, who supposedly hung himself, uh, uh, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, like all these things that we've seen, 
and women, the Me Too movement have come out with such force and Black Lives Matter being led by, you know, Black queer women. And it, it's a nod to what happened before, the history of before, you know, Black women did that when it was taboo. And so, you know, with all that toxic masculinity and shutting women down and, and not thinking that they can get equitable pay and can do the job just as well as a man and offer a perspective that a man can never offer. Like, and, and it's happened in the church as well. Women be silent when women were the first to preach the gospel. Jesus said, go preach to the men, the disciples. I've challenged the highest theologians of the land on that. And they said, and they gave me a toxic masculinity response. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, he is not toxic at all. He's the most non-anxious, he's compassionate, and he's full of love, but he's also full of truth. He's full of rebuke and correction. And, and so like it's that balance of grace and truth. And if if we would do that, if men would have done that, we would we wouldn't have toxic masculinity. And I just believe Jesus is the best at, at showing how we deal with emotions. He wept, uh, how he deal, he dealt with women who were thirsty and met him at a well and talked to him despite his reputation um, and had six husbands and didn't condemn her for it. And, you know, we would call her a hoe, you know, like a toxic masculine or excuse, not we, but a toxic masculine person would, uh, or toxic man, excuse me, would call her a hoe or say she's damaged goods or use her and then throw her away. Or like the woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus doesn't condemn her. He he condemns them who are trying to throw stones at her and then just tells her to go and sin no more. And that's it. And she was caught in adultery, but the men were there. They saw it. You know, did they stop it? Did they set her up? Who was she? Where was the man at that point to correct him and, and throw stones at him? And so you see women who are subject to all this oppression and this uh, toxic masculinity, this vitriol, this anger, this rage, this dehumanizing, like they're less than made in the image of God because they may be weaker physically. But I know some, I know a bodybuilder, one of my friends is bodybuilder. She's stronger than me. She could deadlift way more than me. So, so you, you don't have to call women the weaker vessel no more. Like, how are they weaker? Like, I, I don't get it. Um, because I've learned more from women. I've had women mentors in my life and and I just wanted us to at 12 church to to show the real masculinity of Jesus that he wasn't soft uh for one thing like he's painted as this you know all oh, passive oh just do whatever you want. No, he was strong. The other cheek. Yeah. No. Turn up cheek like all right, I got two cheeks and after those run out, <laughs> Peter was like, "Yo, let me handle him, Jesus. I got this." <laughs> Peter, calm down. You know, it's like, and the way he just spoke gave truth in a way that was received and it brought transformation. And if they were not so toxic, then the temples would have had power in it. But when Jesus steps into power, it, it, into the temple, his power, and he clears out the den of thieves, calls them robbers and, and all these things, he clears it out and people are healed. And so when you're not toxic, when you are healthy, people around you should be getting healed and delivered and saved from whatever they've been holding on to. Um, and, and that's what as men, and the reason why we did that is also the last thing is 65% of our viewership are men. 
So we wanted to be ahead of the curve and show them like, if you want a woman in your life, you're gonna have to get right with God and lead spiritually, emotionally, and 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 financially. All these things, this holistic approach. And I just feel like the church has dropped the ball in teaching men how to be men and be good men that that become good husbands, that become good fathers and brothers and sons and workers and entrepreneurs. We taught women how to be good wives and submissive and to be housemakers. And, and it's, it's, it's an unbalance. And so that's why we chose to do the um, masculinity of Jesus. <laughs> I love, I loved every bit of that. And I just, I, I mean, you know, it's like for, for me, you know, in this generation that's leaving the church, we got like 1.2 million young people leaving the church every year because the church is not relevant. The Bible says that the 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 uh, sons of Issachar knew the signs of the times and people don't know the signs of the times. You know, you just getting on Facebook and you preaching from your living room, man. And you hooping and hollering and got the app with the hoop. Man, shut all that shit down, please. Like, that's just dumb. I, Jesus would be, he would log off your Facebook live. <laughs> literally just talk to people and give them truth in a conversation and Jesus ate his way through the gospels he was at parties he was at dinners he was at people's houses and that's where transformation just took place and, and if you're really like Jesus when you come into the room you're not worried about what people are thinking of you because you know who you are which is why Jesus always reclined at the table because the the person with the most power was always the most reserved and he knew he had power. And so, so that's why people, you know, insecure people like to talk aloud and, and make everybody known that they're in the room. But like you said about the lion analogy, a lion doesn't have to introduce himself when he walks in the room. Everybody know a lion walked in the room. And you don't have to worry about, do they think I'm a lion? Now, if you Simba and you hanging out with Pumbaa and T-Mobile, you're going to forget who you are. But when Nala come and find you and be like, hey, player, we need you back to be king. That's you the king. Like, I don't care what, who you think you are. You, you're not even vegetarian. You're supposed to be eating some meat. And, and so you got to have people in your life. And thank, thank God, because he will send those people to just come in your life like Steve Bacon, like you and, 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 and everybody that you can probably just start thinking about people in your life who redirected you to your royalty, to redirected you to your identity, to redirected you to healing, to say, I can see you're stuck. Like I used to be stuck on my dad and my mom's toxicity and him divorcing and leaving our family. And I was so mad. And my uncle was just like, why don't you just focus on the good stuff he did for you? Because he was a good father to you. And he knew him before I even existed, before he was married. He was like, your dad's a real good dude. Like, he really loves y'all. But you've been, in your mind, you believe this thing and you won't let it go, which is why, you know, all these things keep happening in your life. You have anger issues. And so until God will keep sending people in your life to change the trajectory, because Last thing, I'll shut up. This, this guy told me on a cruise ship, a captain, he said, if it's two degrees off, you will end up in the wrong in the wrong destination. But if you correct it early enough, it will get to the designation. And so that's why tra trajectory is so important. And whether you use logic, spirituality, it needs to be a mix of all that. That's, that's why I believe in Jesus and a therapist. 
and, and, and things like that because you have to have this yin and a, and a, a yin and yang, this balance. Because some, you know, some people told me the other day, it was my brother. I was like, he's talking crazy, man. He was like, he was like, I just need Jesus. He's the ultimate therapist. I said, okay, well, when you, you, you have a toothache, do you go see Jesus or do you see the dentist? Oh, you see the dentist. Well, the, Jesus can, I mean, he can fix my tooth. I mean, shut up. You go see the dentist and you get your cavity filled and you thank God that, you that, have insurance. Can I, can I speak to that for a second? Because yeah, yeah. that's, that's that old slave shit. Let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> that's that old slave shit. like it I'm is, sorry. Steve, you know. <laughs> I told y'all I'm the Bernie Mac of the fucking uh, culture. I say what y'all, I say what niggas afraid to say. That's the most slave shit. Let me tell you why. Because when they, when they, one thing I learned about, I don't know if y'all know who Clarence Avon is, right? Oh yeah. Black guy. Clarence Avon. Okay. And Steve Hardison. Let me tell you what they have in common. The reason why both of them seem to create miracles mm. and why they are the center of operation. Let me tell you what Jesus Steve Hardison and Clarence Avon have in common. Yeah. There's a part in here where uh, talking about commitment and integrity and Steve Hardison goes hard and says, we live in an inflationary verbal society. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Where the more you speak, the less your word is worth. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Clarence Avon, again, the rule, not the exception, became the most respected man in Hollywood during a time where black yep. people weren't getting much respect. Yep. But no deals was going down in Hollywood without Clarence Avant's word, uh, approval. Now, when you, when you really watch the documentary pages, because I watched it a couple times, one of the executives said, Clarence has the power that he has because you can trust him with his word. Hmm. Mm. If Clarence says it, it's done. Yeah. Okay. Now let's look at Steve Hardison. Yeah. Steve Hardison lives his word, right? Yeah. I posted yeah. the other day because I knew it was gonna trigger people, and that's okay. I, I get off on making people take a shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said most of you Christians is walking around as walking contradictions. I posted that, right? Yes, I remember. <laughs> and the people who understood what I meant was like right on but the ones i triggered went off and i just yeah. turned the notifications off and i was like y'all need to argue with yourselves i said what i said right <laughs> <laughs> so look and one of the dudes is like everybody's a walking contradiction find me one person and i'll pay you a thousand dollars and i was like well get ready to pay up because i know one <laughs> right and what I mean by that is Steve Hardison is his word. Clarence Avant was his word. And when you are your word and yes. your words become worth their weight in gold, people will doubt their own doubts mm. Mm. to go with your word because mm. your word carries more weight than their doubts. Mm. So let's be, let's make something very clear about the person who says, Jesus is going to heal me. Da, da, da. No. Jesus said, do you believe I can heal you? Yes. Now, what we understand from the biology of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, that the belief system can heal the body. When the girl touched Jesus's cloak, Jesus said, oh, somebody didn't touch me. And turned right. around right. and said, who touched me? And he said, yeah. the, your faith has healed you. And we know faith <laughs> means belief, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your belief has healed you. And when the disciples went out, 
and said they couldn't get the demon out. Jesus was like, what the is wrong with y'all? How, how do you not get it? Right? And what he said was, until you get your belief on your own, use my name because it carries weight. Yeah. And the yeah. other... Borrow my belief until you get your own. Boom. So that's the other part that people don't get because people always, they will say affirmations, but it has to be a declaration with no doubt, no frustration. It has to be full on commitment and 100% being your word and committed to that beingness, which, you know, that that's, that's the formula. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. Steve Hardison can create miracles because he's his word. And when he calls somebody, he says, hey, would you like to in be involved in this miracle? And they know whatever comes out of Steve's mouth is gold because he never goes back on his word. Never. Right. And because of that, people doubt their own doubts about do they believe it's possible? If Steve said it's possible and Steve's word is worth his weight in gold. Yeah. Then it's possible, and I'm going to do things that I normally wouldn't have never done and stretch myself further because Steve said I could because I trust his word over my doubt. Mm. That is not just reserved for Jesus. That is reserved for the man that is committed to being his word. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Impeccable with your word. If you haven't read the four agreements, read that too. And G John 1, 1 says, in the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh. Jesus is literally the spoken word of God wrapped in flesh. So whatever ever he said manifested. And here's the thing about the, the woman that touched his hem. A lot of people were touching him. Hmm. But when she touched him, she touched him with belief and with faith. And, and you are so right. That's what made him made her whole because she had tried everything, but it was something about, you know what? Maybe doctors ain't it. Maybe this ain't that. If I could just touch the him, I've heard about him. Let me let go of these other beliefs that I have and try this out. And, and, mm. and that has been some of the greatest discovery in my life that if I just touch the hem of these, these new beliefs and let go of the presuppositions of what religion taught me, and that's what has made me whole. And, and that's why I believe we have to study science and religion. They don't on, negate each other. One right. proves the other. Yes. One proves the other. When I started yes. to study quantum physics, metaphysics, oh. When oh. I started to study these things, then the yes. Bible began to make sense. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not old. a mystical thing anymore. It never was. That's the thing. I mean, and in the Quran, it says to study and find evidence, right? Because that's yes. what the verses are. They're ayat, evidence. And mm. so we're supposed to look for the evidence in the world, in the earth. And you're right, you can't, you, even for myself, you know, everyone and their mother loves Rumi, but you know, 
it's actually taken from tasawwuf so that we can purify our souls. And it's basically taking the way we feel, putting it to science and matching, matching it up with what the book says. And that's the way we have to be, you know, so that we can heal ourselves. So yes, we need God and a therapist and we need to actually be committed to our word. We need to be our word. And it's the it's the manifestation of the metaphysical. If you speak something, you will see something. If you believe it, you speak it, you will see it. If you believe it, speak it, write it down, you will see it. That that's just you cannot you cannot trump universal laws in the galaxy. You cannot trump that. If you give, it will come back to you. If if that that's it, you show love, love will come back to you. And you are a reflection of everything that you see. So, so that's that, and people don't understand that. And so for me, what, what really opened it up for him for me um, was Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And and then the um how to outwit the devil. Uh, mm, but it was think and grow rich that it was like, man, everything is metaphysical. And he was like, you have to stop focusing on the problems. And he called out racism, he called out poverty, he called out all the things that we see we're fighting today. And so that shifted my mind to say, I'm gonna focus on the solution. Jay-Z and Beyonce, focus on the solution. You don't see them marching out in the streets, but they have the money to be a part of the solution for those who are marching out in the streets and they don't have to be down there. So go ahead, Steve. <laughs> no, 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 please, please finish, no, please. No, I'm, I'm just saying like people think like being a part of solution is using anger, force, rage, or you're all of your ego. No, sometimes it's the love and it's the kindness and being quiet and being confident within yourself. And all these things begin to, to, to be attracted to you. And then you can solve the problems in your proximity. That's and 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 so God has elevated them to be in a place to offer the solutions for those who want to provide solutions. I, I'm sorry, but I <laughs> I tell people all the time I ain't protesting. I'm not marching in the streets no more. I'm not doing. That's what they want. They want us to ex use all that to be distracted from building and creating the life that we're supposed to be living. Bruh. Okay. 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 I listen. I, I, you, my new best friend. I think I just found my new <laughs> yes. best friend. See, listen, that's what the show's listen, about. <laughs> I know God. God got. Listen, God is funny. God is funny. But I have, I have yet to find another black man that literally it sounds like you are plucking shit from out of my head, and mm. and 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 it is okay. Listen, <laughs> this is the analogy I give to what he just said because you okay. talk about the new reconstruction, right, Cordelia? Yes. Watch this. Imagine I give you a bunch of Legos. I speak in metaphors, by the way. Imagine I give you a bunch of Legos. And I said, build whatever you want. And when you turn around to start building, I poke you in the back with a needle, hide it behind my hands, or hide it behind my back. And you turn around and go, what the f was that? Yeah. And they'd be like, I don't know, nothing. And you turn around and you start building again. And I go, boop, poke you again. And you turn back around, what? something poked me. You turn around, 
I poke you. How many times do I get to poke you before you just abandon all building Mm -hmm. and turn around and say, I'm about to beat your ass. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But this is this is where we are in the black community right now. We've been poked so many times that we abandoned the building. Come on. Yeah. And we're so focused on the resentment and proving that you did me wrong. And here's the thing. When I was so focused on the resentment of proving that somebody did me wrong, guess what mm. I wasn't doing? Mm. Building. Building. Mm. Because both of those require all of my attention. Yep. I can't play offense and defense at the same time. Only one can be on the field. Yeah. And so my brother was just saying, we so focused on the resentment of proving that somebody did us wrong that we just abandoned all building. And the people like Jay-Z and Beyonce and this, that, and the other was like, you know what? I'm focusing on the next 50 years. Yep. They get turned on by their very own people because they're not with the struggle. (laughs) And you don't That is conditioning at its finest yeah yeah that if you're not willing to suffer with us then you're not with us no fool i'm trying to lay out and this is the reason why i talk to a lot of mm, trigger warning this is the reason why i talk to a lot of black intellectuals Mm -hmm. who have the knowledge power and resources to rebuild our communities and i ask them why you don't help? Mm. And you know what they tell me? Mm. Because apparently I'm not black enough. Wow. Hmm. Because if I'm not with the shit, then I'm not black enough. I'm not really black. I'm white because I'm educated and 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 I go for success and I'm focused on the future. I'm white. And I'm like, do you realize what you're saying? These people that are, that are that are condemning the very help that's possible for them. When you say, "Oh, being smart, that's whitewashed." Oh, you speak the king means you whitewash, you whitewash, you whitewash. What you're saying is being black is ignorant. That's a toxic right. belief right there. Boom. There's no there's no tolerance of what it means to be black. So we ostracize the very people that have the ability to come back and rebuild. Yep. So because they don't want to be ostracized, they just send their money. Mm. Maybe. But not Mm. their time. Not their effort. And we wonder why. We have no tolerance of what it means to be Black because we were conditioned and told what it means to be Black. Hip-hop is not what it was when it started. Right. No. But people got a hold of hip-hop and shaped it into what... mm, the culture that we experience today is not our culture. It is the culture that was forced upon us. Our culture was excellence. Our culture was building. Our culture was the family. The culture we have today is not ours. It's the one we've been given and it's been stuffed down our throats through entertainment. The only yes. thing I would change about what you said is, is, right? Our culture is excellence because yes. it never wasn't. Yeah, we were just conditioned to believe that it wasn't. So it always yes. it is, and it always has been excellence. It is everything that you just said, 
just changed yeah. the feeling tense. So, um, wow, we're over an hour, guys. But we knew that going in. We knew that this was going to be fire. So, Got to have us back part two. I have to part have two. you back for part two. <laughs> I do want to acknowledge my friend Cordelia. And no, I'm not talking about myself. Um, and she, um, I actually recommended this book to her, Happy Pocket Full of Money. Um, That's an amazing book. It is. It really is. That's actually where I got the phrase, depression comes from suppression of soul yeah. desires. It's in that book. Yeah, it's in that book. And this is where I got the word multidimensional uh, because it's all up in that book. So we're multidimensional geniuses. And yeah. of course, Sarah Adnani, you know her, right? From the mm -hmm. Ultimate Coach. So thank you everyone for being here. And the way I like to close out the show we've talked about a lot no i'm i'm we're you're, i'm gonna let you talk hold on is with just one word <laughs> but i'm gonna let you say more than one word okay but i but i'm gonna ask you to right now think about what is the one word that would sum up what will free someone from a toxic belief system i know that we've talked about um, being committed to your word and about uh, understanding what the belief is and, and going back the layers, but just come back to one word that they could start with. And before we do that, Steve, tell us what's, what is it that's burning? Because <laughs> you said they can go rich and I want people to know there's one more they can go rich. And it's okay, I was hoping you would choice. bring that up. <laughs> it was, it's thinking go rich, a black choice. So after Napoleon Hill wrote They Can Grow Rich, one year later, he wrote They Can Grow Rich for the Negro, but nobody would publish it. So the family held on to the book and waited till they found the right person to bring it to life. And they found Dr. Dennis Kimbroke in the 80s, who was a who is still uh, at Clark University unless he retired, but also a Napoleon Hill fan. And the family gave him the original manuscript of They Can Grow Rich for the Negro and allowed him to co-author it. And now it's Think and Go Rich, A Black Choice. And it was written in 1992. And all of the um, examples that we've been talking about that are not taught in school about black excellence and all that, it, the book is riddled with them. It's everything about Think and Go Rich brought modern with all black examples. Wow, I just got it. <laughs> I just got that book and a happy pocket full of money. Thank you. I You're love welcome. learning. <laughs> so, um, you know, I would like to um, really thank you for bringing all your black excellence, all your healed black masculinity, divine masculinity to this conversation. And clearly we have to have a part two, so we'll schedule that. And to close out this episode, if you could each just give me one word that sums up what we discussed today. Meaning. Mm. Nothing in life has meaning except the meaning we choose to give it. Change that, whole life changes. Yes, thank you. I wanna say embrace. Mm -hmm. embrace truth, embrace new, new belief, embrace new circles, embrace new ways of thinking. 
and, and personify it. You need that embrace for yourself too. Thank you. Um, I would say acknowledgement. Um, we have to acknowledge what, <clears throat> who we are um, so that we can embrace and create a new meaning. So thank you so much. And I got to have you back. Thank you, Cordelia. Appreciate you. You're so thank welcome. you for having me. Blessings to everybody. Bless y'all. Blessings. Yes, and share this with another heart and another soul. Good night. Thank you for joining the conversation. Now, take the time to reflect, introspect, and implement at least one action. Be in your body, be in your soul, be in your spirit. You know, be free. Until next week.